Also, just make sure that your beepers or cell phones are silent. So, like I said, today we're going to talk about health literacy of our older adults. Our objectives define key terms of health literacy, understand the implications of low health literacy on patient understanding and health outcomes, and identify and implement strategies and techniques to increase clear communication and patient understanding. Just wanted to have this acknowledgement. We got a lot of this information from the Minnesota Health Literacy Partnership. Um, the doctors DeWalt and Pignone from the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. And also the CDC.gov website has a health literacy for, for professionals um, module. And the name on the first slide, Nick Dion Odom, he was an associate project director who initially put this presentation together. So we just want to make sure we give credit to him. He's now in sunny, warm Alabama. So when we first think about literacy, we think of people read what we're giving them. Um, it's also how one functions in society, so it includes some basic math. Not only does it include um, reading, but basic comprehension. And it's the ability to function in society to achieve one's goals and develop one's knowledge and So looking at that with health literacy, it's the degree to which individuals have the capacity to obtain, process, and understand basic health information and services needed to make appropriate health decisions. So if we think about just a basic education of graduating from high school, 40% of those people graduating from high school will have poor health literacy. And we also oftentimes go to people who have expertise in an area to gain more information. So if I have a vehicle that has broken down, like it has recently, I'm going to take it to a mechanic and I'm going to rely on him to tell me accurate information so I can make appropriate decisions. So with health literacy, we also want to make sure that people have um, a good relationship with their physician or their provider because they're looking to them um, to give them the information to help with these decisions. Just because you may be literate does not mean you have great health literacy. Somebody can be a lawyer and still have difficulty understanding the medications they are receiving and they need to have that guidance um, spoken to them. Not only is that a new, maybe a new stressful diagnosis that impedes their ability to kind of comprehend, but it's a complex system and it's a complex diagnosis that they may be receiving. So not only does health literacy mean the ability to read, but words have different meanings depending on where they're placed um, and where you see them. So over-the-counter can have several different meanings depending on who they are. So as a general rule, over-the-counter drugs are primarily used to treat a condition that does not require the direct supervision of a doctor and must be proven reasonably safe and well-tolerated. Usually over-the-counter drugs are required to have little or no abuse potential. So in this definition, over-the-counter means one thing. But in looking at another definition, over-the-counter can mean something completely different if somebody's coming to the conversation with a different background. Over-the-counter in this situation talks about yields on Treasury securities at constant maturity are determined by the U.S. Treasury on the daily yield curve that is based on closing market bid yields on actively traded treasury securities in the over-the-counter market. 
So for me, I would have no idea what over-the-counter meant in this situation, just like somebody may not understand what over-the-counter meant in the previous talk or description. <coughs> Research often um, had focused on the patient's ability to take in information and comprehend it, but now it's really expanded to not only focusing on a patient's ability to obtain, understand, and act on health information, but talking about the provider's capacity to communicate clearly and educate about health and empower their patients. At Health Literacy, we can give people information about their diagnosis, but if they don't have the ability to understand it or put that in context of their own life, it can impact many different things, access, safety, quality, and outcomes. So if we think about um, access, not only does it affect people's ability to um, get the right information, so being able to go online and look up appropriate websites and gather appropriate information, but also thinking about accessing the whole healthcare system. So if somebody has uh, poor health literacy, they may be utilizing the emergency room more often um, instead of understanding that there's a variety of access points like the primary care, um, not only the emergency room, but many clinics, urgent care. When we think about um, safety, we often think um, they may not be able to clearly report what is happening to them. So if they don't understand their um, illness or the description of what is important to tell the provider, they may not accurately divulge all the information. And when I was first talking about health literacy, I never even, I was like, oh, sure, some people have these experiences until I came home with a new baby a couple months ago. And nowadays, before you go home, they offer you a Tdap shot to both the both parents. So my husband and I both got the Tdap shot. Well, months later, he was out doing one of these obstacle courses, got a cut on his arm, got an infection. So he went, first of all, inappropriately, to the emergency room because it was not you know, an emergency. And when he got there, he wasn't familiar enough with what had what shot had been given to him, maybe what was included in the shot and why he got it. So when he got there, they said, you need a, a tetanus shot. But we don't have just a tetanus shot right now. The tetanus shot's mixed in with a couple of other um, immunizations. And he was like, sure, no problem, just give it to me. He comes home and I said, did you get another Tdap shot? He goes, well, I think that might be it. It was a tetanus and some other things. So in the course of one month, he ended up getting two shots for the same thing that he didn't necessarily need to get. So not only was he in a, unable to kind of divulge that his past medical history appropriately, um, but there was a communication flaw also in communicating with him on the provider's, ask, on the provider's point. Um, thinking about quality patients, who have poor satisfaction um, with their healthcare provider or their healthcare team. It's often because they don't clearly understand um, the information that's given to them, so they have poor health literacy. Um, and also outcomes. If you think about medications difficult to manage, and if they don't really understand um, what it is and why they're taking it, this can have a negative impact on them as well. And there's a short video clip I'll show here in a minute that really demonstrates that point. So we're just going to take a second and I want you to 
read what's on the screen and just kind of get a feel what what it, is it like to struggle to read some information. So I'll give you one minute um, to, to read this paragraph. <coughs> Right. So, were you able to get the point of the paragraph? Yes. So, did you understand what you were you were reading about? Does anybody want to share about cleaning? Oil, soap. Yeah. So oftentimes. Be sure to do something. Yeah. <laughs> Periodically. Right. <laughs> so oftentimes, if somebody's reading information that does not make any sense to them, you pick out keywords that you know, but you may not be able to understand the context or how that goes to the bigger picture. So I'm going to show you what it really says, and even then it might, might not really understand what it's about, but it's about cleaning tape heads and cat stands. So that's more easy for somebody to read and understand, but and somebody is not literate at baseline or not familiar on top of that with the topic that you're presenting, that information can get very muddled and very frustrating to read and bits and pieces um, may be able to, the person may be able to pick out but maybe not be able to put the whole picture together. So in 2003, um, there was a national assessment of adult literacy. This was also done in 93, what was different about the two years, in 2003 they added some health literacy specific questions, um, but it really found that there was no change in overall literacy levels. There was four um, grades of literacy, below basic to proficient, so examples of them include the below basic, they would be able to circle the date, they'd have some trouble circling the date on a doctor's appointment slip. The basic, Give two reasons a person with no symptoms should get tested for cancer based on a clearly written pamphlet. Intermediate, determine a healthy weight range based on a graph relating height and weight to body mass index. And provision, calculating health insurance costs for a year using tabs that showed um, monthly costs. So we look at this. It, um, is a graph that shows people, adults who struggle with health information. So if you look at the 12% on your right, that is the um, people who are proficient in health, health literacy. But the overall picture here is looking at that over a third of our patients will um, be basic or below basic in their health literacy. Um, 
these questions also result, result to 42% couldn't understand take on an empty stomach, 60% um, didn't understand informed consent, and we think how complicated those forms are, and they're often written um, for legal purposes. And if somebody is at baseline maybe having some trouble with their reading skills, uh, adding the complication of needing to have a, an informed consent document, um, that can be very confusing. So why are these patients at risk? There's a high reliance on written word for patient instruction. So we think they go to the doctor's office, they are in a waiting room, there's pamphlets all around them about you know, varying sort of illnesses or information that they should be receiving. They go in to see, see their provider. They may have been given a questionnaire that they need to fill out. Afterwards, they get a, a, a written summary of the visit. All of these things, if nobody has stopped to kind of evaluate not only um, their reading skills, but how well they're able to see and take in that information may not be as beneficial as we're hoping it should be. Also, um, how complicated is our healthcare system? People are living with more complicated illnesses and are required to do more um, and manage more at home. So people are on more medications, more tests and procedures, and really understanding what those tests and procedures are for. Um, growing self-care requirements, so thinking, are they gonna be able to access information, whether it's through a book or through the internet? An esoteric language, or language that's only really being able to be understood by a few people, so communicating with a patient um, with, in a level that you might speak to other peers within your profession um, may be confusing. A little funny talking about Medicare prescription drug plans. Somebody's trying to explain it to this group um, <coughs> here. And if this is all too confusing, we recommend logging on to our website at www.medicare.gov. Any questions? And they're still trying to figure out what a website is, let alone what, what it is she's trying to explain to them. So, who's at risk? The elderly, ethnic and racial minorities, uh, patients with limited education, immigrants, low socioeconomic status, people with chronic disease. And this just breaks it down. Uh, so, there are vulnerable populations. So, um, people with limited health literacy, uh, are disproportionately um, represented by this, these characteristics. So age 65 and older, 31% will have a below basic um, health literacy score. And just thinking, if we're going to provide information um, to patients, if they fall into one of these categories, really making sure that we take the time to tailor our message so that um, these populations will be able to understand. So like I said before, age 65 and older are one of the most at-risk populations. Um, and this just demonstrates by age how that level changes. At the top 16 to 18, only 11% will be below basic. But by the time we get to be 65 years old, 29% um, will be below basic. So why do you think the numbers change? 
Um, or so boring diminishing cognition after it's used. Right. So there's a there's a there's a whole bunch of reasons that this happens. But yes, um, people now have tend to have more education, but also, you know, as we age, we have you know, cognitive ability um, declines, physical limitations such as decreasing eyesight, um, memory concerns, um, and as we've talked about earlier, as we've time has progressed, we're now living, able to live with more complicated illnesses, so now um, those patients who are 65 and older may never have had to experience somebody living with diabetes, and now they're having to figure it out um, on top of the aging process. Thinking about some outcomes associated with literacy, um, overall, those with poor, um, limited health literacy will have poor general health status. So if you think they're not accessing the health system um, regularly, they do approach the ED, they may not have been appropriately taking care of themselves for a long time. They have increased hospitalization, um, increased depression, um, increased substance abuse, more likely to be um, smokers and have decreased um, knowledge, whether it's instructions that the emergency department gives them or basic health maintenance information. And like I said before, low health literacy associated with um, two times higher likelihood of being hospitalized. And if we think about how uh, managing chronic illnesses change. When patients, like 30 years ago, I was reading it, patients with 30 years ago with diabetes, they were hospitalized and given a couple hours of education every day on how to manage their diabetes. So it equated by the time they were discharged from the hospital about 30 hours of diabetes training and education. And if we think about today, if somebody comes to the um, primary care doctor and gets diagnosed with diabetes, all that teaching is done spread out over time in short increments. This can be a big financial burden to the healthcare system. Low health literacy increases U.S. healthcare costs by 50 to $73 billion a year. So I just wanted to show this um, little clip that kind of emphasizes what it means to have poor health literacy. I, I was sick a lot. I was sick a lot because I probably missed dosage and didn't realize that um, I was in the hospital a lot. And when they did give me... ...medicine, I didn't take it right. I admit to it. I just didn't understand them and I didn't have the nerve to ask them the right way of doing it. I just didn't have the nerve to ask them. I didn't want anyone to know I couldn't read.
cardiology kind of really advanced when it comes to tracking multiple diagnoses, usually mm -hmm. elderly, mm -hmm. walking in, or younger, just blown away by what's going on, mm -hmm. not understanding the magnitude of their diagnosis and how it's affecting or going to affect their lives. Mm -hmm. And then not, if they're not able to understand that, then that's going to affect the quality their life because that surprises me too um, having patients come in and the other day I was in clinical because I'm finishing up my um, MP degree and I had a lady come in with hypertension a high blood pressure about 220 over like 110 and asking her so are you taking your medication and she wasn't understanding what her antihypertensives were for so she would take them sporadically. Some days she wouldn't take them, some days she would take two, some days she would take one, some days she'd go like long periods of time. And I was really putting her at risk. Did anything um, else kind of jump out at you? I think what's sad is the fact that it seemed like it went on a pretty long time before anybody in the healthcare profession realized that people were just kind of winging it. And I see there all the time, mm -hmm. and I understand why patients don't want to admit to this, but it seems like if we had even asked a couple questions about what they understood from the information, they might have appreciated they needed to help understand clues. There is a, a longer version of this video put up by the AMA. These were just the patient clips, but there's a longer version that talks about, you know, doing a little, just one question, how comfortable are you with your reading, you know, and getting that information because oftentimes in the, in the video they talk about, they may say, oh, I'm comfortable with my reading but it's my writing I'm not comfortable with, or I wish I could be better. So you can kind of gauge just basic literacy overall and then kind of tailor your, uh, your talk with them based upon that question. So um, like the gentleman in this video talked about recognizing the red flag, so making excuses if somebody shows up and they get really agitated with you, it may not be because of you, it may be because what you're asking them to do um, they're not able to do, so they want to just get away. It's a stressful uh, situation for them. Just like perceived resistance. If somebody has no questions, if they're in the cardiology clinic and they're getting bombarded with lots of information and they have no questions, you know, that can be a little bit of a red flag. Are they really understanding what it is that you're telling them? And at the same time, when you're assessing if they have any questions, not saying, do you have any questions or do you understand? Um, but kind of leaving it open-ended of, um, let me know when you have questions. So just switching that if to when, kind of creating that safe environment. If somebody's having frequently missed appointments or tests, not only could it be a sign of other, maybe the cognitive changes, but they may not just be able to understand the information that you're giving to them. And if they're not adhering with meds or treatments or you have experienced. Um, one of my favorite ones is you give them a piece of paper. Oh, I'll take this home and I'll read it. You know, I'm going to read it with my my husband or my wife. We'll review it then. It's hard to then be able to assess what it is they know if they're going to postpone. Another strategy is talking about creating a shame-free uh, experience. So I've never seen the show House, but apparently this is House, and also. Um, somebody who is much more approachable. So you want to convey an attitude of helpfulness, smiling, asking open-ended questions, really listening, 
and then encouraging patients to ask questions back so you can really understand what it is that they're understanding of your talk and then providing assistance confidentially. So if you're in a clinic setting and you see somebody sitting with a piece of paper looking like they're struggling with that paper and they're taking a long time to fill it out, not necessarily helping them out in the waiting room, but providing assistance when they get back into the doctor's office. I'm thinking about who would you want to approach you? <laughs> I know usually when we put the slide up, people go, oh, I want house because they see him on TV and he's good at what he does. Um, but his demeanor isn't one to be overly helpful. There's also improving interpersonal communication. So really slowing down. I know it's hard oftentimes in our environment to take that time to really talk with people. Um, but using simple sentences, using plain medical language, so here it says living room language. You're not going to say, um, here's your antihypertensive medication. Say, this medication will lower your blood pressure. Um, analgesic, that's a big word. This is just gonna, this is your painkiller. One that often comes up too when we do this, people talk about, have you voided today? Well, what does void mean? I don't know. Um, so using simple language, and not because we're thinking that they may not understand, but they're in a, in a position that they're going to be under a lot of stress. Also, using analogies and pictures, charts, models, and diagrams are great. Uh, if you know somebody's a plumber, you know, trying if you're able to compare, um, you know, let's say they have a urology problem, and the person's a plumber, kind of comparing both of those. You know, if you're talking about and heart um, cardiology, just because I was over there last semester, um, talking about heart failure, taking down a picture of the heart and really showing them what it is that's um, giving them trouble. Limiting yourself to the most important concepts. So focusing on one to three key messages because after that, people are not going to remember. And then making sure that you repeat them, but also that people repeat them back to So strategy is ask me three, a way to kind of make sure that the information is simple and concise. You want to make sure that they know what is my main problem, what do I need to do, and why is it important for me to do this. And oftentimes they may understand what it is that's wrong and what they need to do, but they may not understand the why is it that I need to do. You might all be familiar with this teach back method, um, either demonstrating understanding by um, asking them questions or showing them, having them show back to you what it is they need to do. When I was working with Marie, um, there was one of an intervention that we were doing. I was talking to a gentleman about his heart failure, and that was how we kind of assess understanding. What are you going to tell your friends that you visit once a week about your condition? And because he had a support group that he would meet with once a week. And then also, what are you going to tell your friends that you learned this week? Just so I knew that what he was receiving was what I was really telling them. 
other things. I want to be sure I explained everything clearly, so can you please explain it back to me so I can be sure I did. Taking ownership yourself and taking responsibility. This chunk in check, providing information in small, easy to manage um, packages, you know, so to speak, and having periodic um, check-ins. So kind of doing like a couple of topics together and then saying, what questions do you have? And then expanding upon those in another section and then again asking what questions do you have? Not asking, do you understand? Using patient-friendly materials and forms, so keep text short and simple. Really keeping um, living room language on the material that you're giving them, reducing that medical jargon, clear headings so that people can really focus in on what the key points are, and bullet points. And the uh, state of Iowa really took this initiative on to improve the handouts that they were giving to their patients. This was what they did before. They took on an initiative in order to improve health literacy. And what do you notice? It's overwhelming. It's a lot of words. And if somebody's uncomfortable with their reading skill, this automatically can be a deterrent with that many words on a page. Um, so they took this and understood that they weren't really maybe able to convey their message appropriately in this format. So using some of the health literacy uh, skills, they changed it. So they made sure that they had big, clear headings, white space to really kind of just focus in on the topic or the words that are on the page, pictures, so people can say eating, you know, active. There's things that correlate with um, visually. They also did this with um, a letters they sent out to patients who had received, uh, who went home with a new baby. Um, they did this with uh, not only screening, but um, trying to get involvement in a traumatic brain injury kind of program. And they found that with the traumatic brain injury um, letter that they sent out, their numbers went from 4% response rate up to 20% response rate, just because they were able to um, make the information more accessible to patients. So normally we do the 20 minute video in here. Um, so we, we are done early. And if anybody had thoughts that they wanted to add, stories, we talked about examples. I feel, I'm no nurse, I feel a lot of time. I think there's places you get out to all the levels of care that we provide. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times I go in after and go, so what do you, what, what's your, what do you, what's your, what's your understanding of the care plan? Like, what's our plan? Mm -hmm. And letting them talk to us. And a lot of times, there's a complete disconnect. Mm -hmm. They don't understand what they're going to go have done. They don't know what's going to be done, and they don't know why they're happy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you have to, like you said, bring it down a notch mm -hmm. and explain it into terms that they understand. Right. Um, and we do that a lot. And I, I don't. We are an academic. We always want to excel. We always want to rise to the highest level possible. But is that a disservice to some of our, our well, patients? Well, and <laughs> even it doesn't necessarily mean that 
somebody with basic high literacy level, so you have physicians who are, even at the physician level, maybe OB background, so they know a lot about babies, but they have an older parent who's aging, and all of a sudden, the stress of having it be a parent and in a, in a field that they're not necessarily familiar with can be confusing just as much if somebody who wasn't able to really read. The other big impacts, I think, are you said it's stress. So they're already health illiterate, mm -hmm. and then they're stressed. And then we have narcotics or painkiller mm -hmm. or medication. So you really have to take time. Right. And a lot of time, and you have to ask the patient each and every month back, what are you hearing from me? What are you understanding? What are you feeling? Tell me, tell me what you just heard. Mm -hmm. Or if they're by themselves too, when your when your wife comes in, what are you going to tell them? Tell her when she shows up, and because it it is something that you know, doing these boot camps, we've had very you know highly educated. Um, people come through because they didn't really understand the older population or the multiple comorbidities and kind of breaking it down and giving them the tools really empowered them so when they go out to take care of their families they really are knowledgeable and able to do so. And people aren't going to get offended either. Most people will not be offended if you give it something, you know, the information at a basic level. Well, what's interesting with that is having participated in classrooms, so it's all rounds of boot camps, the caregiver boot camp, which is for non-professionals, right. we've had some nurses who right. have gone there because they need caregivers for family members, and they get a tremendous amount out of it, and they're professional nurses who have been working recently in a healthcare environment, and yet they're coming to the non-professional boot camp and getting a lot out of it. So I wonder, right. you know, what level should we really be teaching Mm -hmm. Right, because I think about your question, one of the things you said is that there was one instance of how comfortable are, with, are you with your reading? Right. right. And I, as you did that, I was thinking like, if you asked me that question, I would say, I'm a fabulous reader. Mm -hmm. I love to read, but I can promise you, if you put me in a stressful situation, right. or mm -hmm. I can pick a non-stressful situation, like I can think if I had an appointment with a dietitian, Mm -hmm. And she starts going into the, you should get no more than 15% of your daily thing from fat and all like, I have, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I don't, it, so even I can think of two situations where you would completely lose me, mm -hmm. despite me being highly literate right. and somewhat educated in the health, you know. Right. So in some ways, it almost seems like we have to, um, you know, assume it's better to teach to the basic level, like we, you almost can't go wrong by getting down, doing it for everyone who right. walks in. Right. And that the person who really is with you, you can ramp it up for them. They'll give you, you'll get the feedback from them that they are ready for more. Mm -hmm. But you probably won't get the feedback that the highly educated person or the person you think is quite literate, you've lost them. You might not get. Because it can be intimidating talking to not only somebody you may not see on a regular yeah. basis, it's personal information, and then they have expertise in that field, that's intimidating to a and lot I of people. And I see just so much judgment. Yeah, yeah. And I think some of the subtle cognitive changes that happen, especially in the old or the frail elderly, mm -hmm. if we 
going to take commented, so somebody who may comment at face value, they appear very educated, they appear very intelligent, they can speak very well, but their cognition might be weak. They're not absorbing the content from the page in the way that they used to do that. Mm -hmm. I just had a conversation with my 94-year-old father, who has a doctorate in engineering and is brilliant, and he said, you know, I'm not enjoying reading so much the last few months because before I could just look at the page and absorb the whole content, which of course I would never do. <laughs> and he says, and now I have to read every word in sequence. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. I mean, that's how I've read always. But he <laughs> was able to look at the whole page and somehow just cognitively absorb it. So for him, he's not reading at the same yeah. level. But if you talk to him, you would assume he could just grasp everything the way he normally did. You know, one of the examples on the Iowa um, website that they were demonstrating approval for was somebody who was highly educated, an 86-year-old woman, and everybody just assumed things were going well until her grandson asked her you know, about her medication regimen. And she goes, well, I take 14 pills in the morning. And she would go through, and she, but she couldn't tell you what the pills were or you know, how much or why she was taking them. She would just count out, and, her, and they were all mixed together. She would just throw them all together. She would count out one of each kind and then take them all. And she was able to manage her medication better once somebody caught that and was able to make a medication card you know, for her um, and really outline what it is she's supposed to be doing. The other big piece is routine. You know, I've always kind of laughed at discharge teaching. It's important. You have to do it. But you don't get it. If the patients are here for three days and if they're going home with wound care or whatever, there needs to be follow-up. There needs to be, it has to be repeated. There has to be phone calls demonstrated in the patient's room when the call bell's right there and I know the nurse is out there thinking I can't do this right. Mm -hmm. But at home, all of your kind of sit down it's a repetition. And then unless you're going back to speaking face. Mm -hmm. And how are they gonna are they aware enough to know what their resources are once they get home? So that even if they do have questions, do they know how to access you know the hospital if they have questions or who their primary care is? very embarrassed, very shameful, um, you know, they know it's not right, and so for whatever reason, if they're not reading well, they may not admit it, and I like the comment about, you know, help me to make sure I'm doing a good job and explaining it by telling me back what I mm -hmm. told you so that I know that I made sense, mm -hmm. so that if you take on the, the, ownership. the responsibility yeah. rather than what's wrong with you that you didn't read it right. This is saying, where are you having trouble? Where? making sure that I did it right. And being careful about teaching with your treatment plans, like, oh, this is so easy. Don't say that it's easy. Mm -hmm. Just even though you may be thinking to yourself, which is going to get so much easier? There were 55 steps before, and now there's only three. You know, this is how we're going to help you master this. We're going to help you figure out how to do this. Yeah, I was doing some teaching to have um, an 86-year-old woman take a nebulizer home. And it was, you know, to me thinking, oh, it's going to be very simple. You plug in the oxygen and you twist it on. And it was very complicated. I think we went over uh, over the course of the day, because she was having some breathing troubles, had to come here and get x-ray just to make sure. So over the course of the day, we you know, showed her three different times how to do it. So between some cognitive changes, some physical changes of being able to manipulate the equipment, um, really having to 
break it down to a bare minimum and still needing that extra support. Fortunately for her, she was able to have home care kind of, you know, help her out. But, you know, we wanted to make sure that she knew two of the steps overall so she could be empowered to know what was happening in her home. Any other thoughts? Well, I appreciate you hiking all the way over here during yeah, your thanks. lunch. I know we got to get booted out to the, the boonies. I like the cartoons. <laughs> Trying to make it engaged and interesting. Good luck on your Oh, thank you. It may.